and Divorce Conversations, where we analyze, navigate, and troubleshoot all stages of your romantic life. I'm your host, Igor Meisterman, a divorce attorney turned relationship coach. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode on dating, marriage, and divorce conversations. Today, we're going to discuss a topic that has come up so many times with the couples I've been working with to a point that I felt it was important to come back and revisit in a very systematic and granular way the topic of how we go from toxicity in our relationship to a deep connection. And what frustrates me so much is people tend to look at these things as maybe it's some sort of a magical solution. We're going to come up with some sort of a magical formula that you just apply it and poof, my relationship is in better place. And the truth, of course, is completely located in another hidden location. However, we are going to make our way towards that location. And that's why this podcast I called Roadmap from Toxicity to Deep Connection. Let's go step by step, analyze what goes on in our relational dynamics and how if we apply this systematic process, we can transform any relationship as long as there are two willing participants. Obviously, if one spouse gets up and walks out, if one partner just says, I'm not interested, well, there's nothing we can do. But if you have two willing participants, I almost guarantee you can transform the toxic energy between the two of you and create deep, meaningful connection. Step number one, awareness. It never ceases to amaze me how much people think they are aware and in reality, they are not. In fact, the joke is in the world of therapy is um, if somebody tells you, oh, Mr. Therapist, um, I know all my issues. I'm very, I'm a very aware person. They're usually the first candidate for a problem. There's a reason why we have a conscious mind, subconscious mind. Some people call it unconscious. These things exist in us for a reason. That reason is not some coincidental mistake that somehow happened in the evolution of a human being or in the creation of a human being. And there's a reason why we have subconscious provides a very protective feature for our life. If everything was in our awareness, if everything was in the forefront of our mind, we actually would not be able to function. It would simply be too much. And therefore, our minds are wired in all of its sophistication to compartmentalize. There will be things that will be in our conscience, and there'll be things that the mind will shuffle through, so to speak, and then relocate it into the subconscious. The problem with the subconscious is it is very much alive and online, but it is not easily accessible. And therefore, while it is doing whatever it's doing in our minds and in our lives, we are often not aware of that fact. Why? Because it's subconscious. It's not readily apparent to our minds. The problem is, is that very often our frontal cortex, the part that regulates our cognitive abilities and our conscious awareness, thinks that everything that could possibly be available or about us, everything that goes online and causes us to be activated, to be triggered, to be frustrated, is all available to us and fully accessible. And that is the furthest from the truth. The reality is, is that 
a major part of us, if not an overwhelming part of us, is actually regulated through the subconscious. And therefore, the more subconsciousness we allow to emerge and come up to the conscious level, the more we can truly say, I'm now in full self-regulation mode. I'm in a place of awareness. I understand what happens to me, what triggers me, what upsets me. And therefore, from that place, I can cause myself to be redirected. I can choose to go a different way. And therefore, I can have control over the processes that unfold inside of me as the world around me interacts with me. Okay, now if I haven't lost you so far, so let's go to step one, awareness of our wounds. The premise of Imago therapy, and that's the work that I do with my clients, major premise is that we all have something called childhood wounds. Now let's start with the following premise. If my parents are not perfect people, that means that they cannot parent me perfectly. They're not perfect. Their parents were not perfect. Therefore, they were not perfected. They were not parented perfectly either. And therefore, what happens? Every generation has a legacy that passes down from one hand to the next hand. And that legacy is called childhood wounds. And everybody's wounded differently because everybody is so infinitely different from the other. So, for example, if my parents were not around and I experienced feelings of abandonment, when I became adult, that inner child in me would feel abandoned. And when I would seek out relationships, that subconscious part of my personality would be very much alive and would be seeking out connections based on a partner who could heal and soothe this type of a wound. So if you walk out on me in the middle of conversation, I will feel very triggered. But if somebody asks me, why are you so triggered? So maybe your spouse didn't want to talk right now. No. Because at that point, I'm not in a rational place. It's not my frontal cortex that's guiding me. It's my reptilian brain in the back of my head. My survival mechanism goes fully online, or I almost like to call it, my subconscious takes my conscious mind hostage. My subconscious takes me hostage. But I'm thinking the whole time, you did all this to me. Or I love this line from people. And if only you behaved like this, we would be in such a better place. And if only you didn't treat me like this, it would be so much better. The problem with that attitude is it means that I've handed off the keys of my own self-regulation, of my own sense of value, of self-worth. I handed it all off to a partner, to someone else. Instead of recognizing the truth of the situation. And what is the truth? The truth is that no one really did anything. I live with wounds. And when my spouse or my partner does something, all they're doing is causing my wounds to go online, to come alive, and I experience those wounds. But instead of me coming to terms with that, what I would rather do is blame the person who I am perceiving to be the source of those wounds. And the typical candidate is, you guessed it, your spouse. Because it's way more painful to come to terms with the fact that I've been wounded as a child because of the way my parents treated me, as opposed to experiencing myself from a place of, wow, I need to take ownership of these wounds and heal them. 
That's a very hard journey to take. And so people get stuck in what we call a power struggle. You did this to me. If only you were different. If only these things were not in the picture, we would be in such a better place. If only you didn't behave like this, I would never feel this way. Notice the tone and the words that are used, right? I'm not in control. I have no say over my own destiny. You calling all the shots. You're causing uh, everything that happens inside my world. And if somebody stops and say, excuse me, uh, do you have any say over your own world? Or is it only people around you that cause you to exist, cause you to feel what you feel? And that's when it's our opportunity to take a look in the mirror, take a good, difficult look in the mirror and say, I can either keep making it about my partner and my spouse, and that's the reason for my lack of happiness, or I can look in the mirror and say, it all starts with me. Can I identify where am I going wrong? What is being activated in me when my spouse does what they do? Because guess what? You can divorce this one. You can break up with this one. Your wounds are staying with you forever. And so you will take them with you to your next relationship. And the next person, after the honeymoon stage is over, will again do things that will cause those wounds to come back online. And you will again re-experience the same trauma and the same drama. And that's why, should not be surprising, why you see people get married and divorced and remarried and divorced. And if only I found the right one. Here's the problem. It has nothing to do with another person. It has to do with me healing what goes on inside of me. Because if I heal that, I will actually be able to make a cognitive decision with my frontal cortex, with my consciousness. Is this the right one or not? Versus making these decisions through my subconscious that's holding me captive. So next time you're interacting with your partner or spouse and you start feeling that either energy pulsating in your chest, icky feeling that's beginning to occupy your head space in your emotional world, frustration, pause, and before you respond or lash out or fight back with your spouse, Pause and say to yourself, what is going on inside of me that's causing me to experience this interaction in this way? So, for instance, why is it that when my spouse or partner does this, I become so mad? Why is it that when my spouse partner does that, I become enraged? And not from the perspective of, well, I wouldn't be like this if they weren't causing me this pain. And instead ask, no, 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 what is coming up for me that's part of my own wounding that causes this aspect of me to become activated? And therefore, you can almost dissociate your perception of your spouse from the, the real answer, the truth of the matter, which is something's going on inside of me. My spouse is just there, but the trigger and the source of what's happening is inside of me not in my spouse. And therefore, that self-work and self-journey towards our own wounds has to be step one because it will dispel all the false perceptions. It will remove the triggers because I no longer will see my spouse as the quote-unquote cause of my suffering, my pain, my frustration. And instead, I will see that I just happen to live with something 
that wounds me. And when my spouse does X, I experience my wounds. Versus my spouse is messed up. My spouse is evil. My partner gets on my nerves because they're vindictive. Now, I want to make a quick disclaimer. In light of everything I just said now, is there such thing as bad people? Absolutely. Are there people who are spiteful? Yes. Are there people who, in relationships, hurt each other? Absolutely. And you know what? Those are the relationships that should come to an end. I'm talking about where two people who are a decent human beings, which, by the way, is overwhelming percent of the population, most people who are decent human beings who are just trying to connect and experience closeness. And by virtue of lacking the tools and understanding of this concept, wind up in these power struggles and places of resentment and toxicity and frustration because they don't see what really is going on under the surface. And that is that their subconscious self through the childhood wounds is acting out. Okay, so that's step number one. Step number two, therefore, is safety. And the reason I said therefore is because, let's think about this, that this is going to be logical. If I'm talking to you and you are triggered by me because you're experiencing your wounds, as we just made clear in step number one, and I'm telling you something that's hard for you to hear, or I'm saying something that you perceive as if me wanting to hurt you or wanting to do something to you that, um, that you don't like or that upsets you, how do we get out of that? So I can either claw back against you. I could lash out. I can um, accuse you, demonize you in kind, because now I feel this need to protect myself subconsciously, which is what overwhelming percent of couples do. Or you can reach into your toolbox and grab the Imago Dialogue tools and transform the way you connect and communicate by creating safety. Because that safety that we're about to explore is going to gird and set the safety parameters around the relationship. And once that fence has been put into place, now there is safe room within which the two of us can neutralize the toxicity, remove it, and therefore allow us to reconnect deeply. So what would that sound like? I'm going to give you multiple sentence stems that I highly recommend that you take time to write down and then actually practice them with your spouse you will be amazed the powerful change that will take place almost instantaneously once you start practicing these tools. So just to give you an example, you are engaging your spouse or your partner in the conversation. And in the course of that exchange, things flare up, things start becoming tense and you feel, or you both feel that the tension in the space between is filling up with toxicity. You stop and you say, I'm perceiving that you are experiencing frustration right now. Am I perceiving you correctly? Let your spouse enter. Answer. Let your spouse tell you where they are, what's happening inside of them. Let's say your spouse says to you, yes, you are perceiving correctly. I'm really frustrated with you right now. Great. The next thing he says, how can I show up for you right now that would help you feel safe to stay engaged in a conversation with me? Right? Look what I just did. I explicitly asked, how can I create safety for you? And then let your spouse enter. Answer. I need you to speak slowly. I need you to mirror and make eye contact. 
I need you to speak to me in a non-accusatory way without shaming me, blaming me, or accusing me of anything. And then you mirror back. What I'm hearing you say is you need me to show up in non-accusatory way and make eye contact and speak to you slowly and gently. Am I getting you? Right? And you do this back and forth and then you switch roles and you say, is it okay if I share with you what I need to feel safe to continue this conversation? And you speak to your spouse and let them share with you or you tell them what you need from them and ask them to actually share it with you. As you will do this sharing, the magic of this experience is that even though you haven't yet begun to discuss the substantive topic that you were fighting about in the beginning of the conversation, I'm just going to make this up. Let's say it was about money. So you guys are in, in tension over an expense that was not really on your budget for that month. Of course, one of you is now tense about it and is taking out that tension on the other part, partner, the spender. And you're trying to figure out how do we engage in this conversation without being at each other's throats? Well, that's what you do. You say, I want to talk to you about our finances. How can I discuss it with you that will allow you to feel safe to stay in this conversation? What am I essentially doing? I am negotiating with your subconscious. Or you could say, I'm negotiating with your childhood wound. Because I'm essentially saying to you, I know that when I show up in a way that triggers you, you will run away. I just want to know how do I sidestep this minefield. I don't want to attempt to reach out to you only to find myself detonating on the first bomb lying in the field, which turns out to be a minefield. How do I sidestep this minefield and actually reach you, actually connect to you? The way I do that is by speaking to your wounds. How do I speak to your wounds? By saying, what can I do that will help you feel safe? How can I show up right now that will allow you to feel safe to maintain this conversation with me? And once the person says the answer, then you actually be, must be ready to provide that. It can't be a lip service. You have to now actually offer it. Now, the person will start sharing with you, your partner, your spouse, they'll start sharing with you. It's very important that you now mirror back. What I'm hearing you say is this. Now, let's say you're hearing something that's triggering you. Remember, you will have opportunity to share. You will also have a turn, but we must take turns fully entering into the world of our partner. And you can't really enter their world if you only see your own world. So you have to be able to say, for the next little while, 10 minutes, five minutes, I'm just gonna not make it about me. I really genuinely wanna understand, why is this so triggering for you? Why is this so upsetting for you? What comes up for you? And as your partner shares, say comforting things such as, thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to be in your world. I never understood really what goes on for you. And because you're sharing with me now, I feel like I understand better. Thank you so much for doing that. All of these little sends are nutrients that you're planting into the garden of that space between the two of you. That is what's nurturing and nourishing the relationship. And that's why it's so important to do all these steps. So again, quick recap, step number one, we have to work on coming to an awareness of the fact that we all live with our wounds and those wounds is what gets activated when we enter romantic relationships. And then during the course of those relationships, we re-experience these wounds in various circumstances within the relationship. And at that point, people make choices. They either come to terms with the real source, which is the wounds. And really, therefore, my spouse is just being my spouse. 
and I have to work on myself, and if I heal the source of where it's all coming from, then I will not re-experience these wounds next time I interact with my spouse. Or we opt out and we just demonize our spouse and remain in a power struggle relationship, which is a very unhealthy place to be. And that is what perpetuates toxicity and stress on the relationship and usually winds up in a divorce. Because after all, how much of this can we handle? And that's why we have to write a new story, a new energy has to be introduced to the relationship. And the way we do that is by sharing, using the dialogue, saying, what do you need to feel safe? Can I share with you what I need to feel safe? And if I did these things for you that you're asking, what do you imagine that would do for you? The reason you want to know is that is the journey into your partner's world. Because when they tell you, well, if you speak to me softly, I feel more comfortable sharing with you. So you know what? Now you know that part of the love language of your spouse is they need to feel really soothed and comforted in the form of the communication that's used. And they just simply won't respond well if you're going to get all fired up and um, start shouting and pouting and, and, and waving your arms in the air. They're just not going to work for your, your spouse. And even though you're going to say, but what am I supposed to do? I have a fiery personality. The answer is you're going to have to breathe through it. <laughs> You're going to have to breathe through it because either you're going to attempt to speak to your spouse in a way that does not trip up their alarm system, or you're going to stay in your own world and then make it only about you. But then don't come to my office and tell me that, look, Igor, I tried. I really tried to connect her. Really, what did you do to make a connection? Did you stay in your own world and just send out fake signals pretending you're connecting? Or did you actually leave your world and say, Honey, darling, on your terms, you tell me the terms. I want to connect to you on your terms because I want to know what it's like to be you, not what I would like to think it is to be you. Finally, action step. I am a really, really big fan of action steps. And the reason is as follows. Realize that the space between in the world of romantic relationship is a very malleable and vulnerable and tender space. And it needs lots of protective shields placed around it. And the more there's protective space that's girding the space between, the more the relationship will be able to enjoy the benefit of safety and deep connection. And therefore, if you've successfully navigated through step one and two, you've offered each other safety, you've came to terms with and gave yourself awareness that what's happening to you is really from your own wounds. And therefore, you just want your spouse to be there to help you work through it, as opposed to demonizing and attacking your spouse. Then finally, you arrived at a place of what can I do to make this concrete and to make it real in my life? And the beauty is, is to say something like this. Honey, now that you've shared all of that with me, one thing that I can do for you that would be helpful to you is, and then wait for their response. Now, quick practical comment. If they tell you, I want you to ride a helicopter, and you know that it's simply pr not practical. So you could say, you know, I wish I would love to do that for you. I wish I could. I don't think I could handle that. Is there anything else that I could try to do for you? that I can handle, but you would find meaningful and helpful. So you keep trying until 
you hear that something's being put on the table that you actually can handle. And once you do, let's say your spouse tells you, it really meant a lot to me if um, in the mornings you make me a cup of tea and you bring it to me. That's my language of love. If you do that for me, it would affirm for me that you think about me from time to time. I'm a priority for you. And you want to do something nice for me. That would mean a lot to me. Then you have to make full commitment to execute and fulfill this request. And here's the beauty of it. And then we're going to come full circle. Because now you have to realize that when you bring that cup of tea to your spouse, you're not bringing tea. You're bringing healing to their wounded inner child. Because remember, the way this whole journey began is I was triggered. And then we decided to talk about it through safety and the Imago dialogue so we could figure out where is it really coming from and give awareness to that. Now that I'm aware of it, I want to have safety within which I could share with you, which we just did that in step two. And now step three is I can do an action for you that allows to have a direct link association in my partner's mind with their wound. And so every time I take that action, it's a reminder for them in their subconscious that I can experience healing because you're connecting for me in a real way. And so that action step is so crucial because by taking the action step, I am solidifying all the steps that took place that what you just shared with me is real. What you just shared with me is not just lip service. I now want to fulfill for you that wish that lives in your subconscious, which is to heal that childhood wound. And so if you go through these steps and follow this roadmap, and you can always feel free to email me. I'm happy to share sentence stems and good sentences that I constantly utilize with the couples I work with. I'm happy to do so. You can always each reach me at Igor at relationshipreimagined.com. Otherwise, anytime you have opportunity to get 10, 15, 20 minutes to connect your spouse, before you grab that remote control, before you turn on Netflix one more time, sit down with your spouse and say, I want to practice connecting with you. And I want to experience you being connected with me. Can we try to have a conversation like this? And pick any topic. It doesn't have to be the most inflammatory thing. It doesn't have to be the thing that's right now causing the most tension in the relationship. But find something and then sit down and attempt a connection. And you will see that this roadmap will allow you to go from toxicity to deep connection. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. For questions, comments, topics you'd like to hear more about, or to try our 24-week relationship challenge, email us at relationshipreimagined at gmail.com.